Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. It's uh, good to be back with you. We took last week off. You may have noticed if you're a regular listener. If you're a new listener, welcome. We've been here every week for the last five years. I mean, pretty close to true. This is, uh, I think, episode 212 of a nearly weekly podcast. Joining me today is my co-host for almost all of those episodes, Dr. Scott Melson. Hello, sir. Hey, man. How are you? I'm well. Happy Friday to you. It is hot. Yeah, both both of us have struggled with air conditioners that have buckled under the pressure of the oppressive Oklahoma heat. Yes, this uh, this heat, man, it's it's too much. It's about to do me in. It's uh, it's like this this heat is like the Oklahoma legislature. It has no redeeming qualities. Uh, Going. Then it, yeah, it does, and it and it never stops. Apparently, that's right. You get a special session. You get a special session. That's right. Well, let's, uh, I guess let's talk about where things are at. We are in special sessions. Dos. Dos special yes. sessions. The, sec- the second and third special sessions of the, what, is this the 50, 58th legislature? 58th. That's, uh, so we are still in the second special session, although only one house is still in the second special session, right? That's debatable. Or no. Yeah. Well, which one, I mean, which one is, which one's which the second special session is the one that the governor called and the third special session is the one that they're doing for ARPA or is it the other way around? I, I think I forget. That, so I'm unclear on that, to be honest. I think the one the governor called is the third. Okay. They gaveled in for the second one while they were still in the yes regular session. Yes. So, so I, I think, think the governor second one is the, I think the second one is the ARPA and the governor's is the third. Yeah. Well, maybe let's talk about what these are because I don't, we missed last week and I don't know that we've really, the week, the week before that was, um, we had uh, Beth from Mom's Demand on talking about gun safety and golly, the world just keeps turning. So I don't know that we've really covered the fact that we have three sessions this year. It's, it's a little bit, bon- it's a little bit bonkers, right? So like, you know, there's regular session, which ended in May on schedule, you know, they came, they came back, uh, they came back after they had adjourned before starting dying, overrode some vetoes that the, that the governor, uh, some bills the governor said had vetoed, but they didn't override all of them. Um, and then at that time, I think it was that week, right? They gaveled in for a special session where the, the point of that, that session that they called themselves. That they called themselves. They put themselves yeah. into special session, and they put themselves into special session because they are essentially like, I think claw back is too strong of a term, but there's all these American Rescue Plan funds that they had initially ceded authority for how to use those funds to the governor. Um, and then the governor, one, hadn't used a bunch of them, and two, had used some of them in ways that the legislature didn't like. And so they called a special session and and said actually we are uh we are going to uh uh, take back that authority and we're going to appropriate all of these american rescue plan funds the legislature is going to start reviewing proposals for projects and deciding where these funds are going to go right and and then also during that week um, before they signed died from the regular session the governor said that he was going to be calling them into a third special session specifically to provide, quote, inflation relief, right? And what that means is the governor was pissed off that they didn't cut taxes uh, during the regular session, and the governor wants them to cut taxes. So he was calling them back in a third session to pass a tax cut. 
And the reason you got to do all this stuff separately is because once they sign die, when they come into a special session, they can only do stuff in the special section in the special session that's in their like call, right? So right. anything else they want to do has to be another session, or they have to amend the call of the special session. Yeah, and the the reason we got here is a bit of a reminder is that earlier in session, the governor asked the legislature to very quickly pass a bill that would create a, a big, not a slush fund, but a, a set aside a big chunk of money for what they called Project Ocean, right? And we've discussed this pretty, I think, ad nauseum. This was the plan to entice Panasonic to open a battery factory in, in Oklahoma or to construct uh, and open a battery manufacturing facility here in Oklahoma, which has not happened yet. I haven't heard they said no but they also haven't said yes. And it's been yeah. several months now. And I think we were expecting them to make a decision by now. So who knows that at this point, they may be aware of the vitriol happening in politics across the country and just saying, you know, we're going to wait until after November. <laughs> we don't want this to be used for uh, someone's political reelection campaign. If we don't think that they're the one right. for us. So anyway, because the legislature did that, it was like $700 million. The legislature had been pretty open in saying, you know, that's a lot of money that we're giving to this company. Uh, we are not, that leaves very little room, very little money left over to give uh, tax cuts back. And to be clear, when we talk about tax cuts, it's not a lot of money. Now, I'm someone who believes that like every dollar helps, right? Like that's I if I got you know back fifty bucks from the government, I'd be like, "Woo, fifty bucks!" But these days, that's half. That's only half a tank of gas, right? And right. and my fifty bucks and your fifty bucks would might be helpful to some people. It's a ton of money; it would be very helpful. But it's also uh, ends up being a ton of money lost by the state that is otherwise appropriated to go towards education, healthcare, you know public services that we need and if we don't spend it there i'm not i'm, I'm not going to spend 50 bucks any more wisely than uh some of these state programs well i mean that's the thing right is that like just while we're just while we're here not to like beat the beat the drum 50 bucks i mean yes you know there, there's a lot of things you can do with 50 dollars. i mean usually you could buy a tank of gas now you can buy half tank of gas you know the cost of groceries going up so i don't i think i think it's important that we don't say that you know that that the that the I think it's important that we acknowledge that the kind of money that we're talking about here um, would be very much appreciated by lots of people, even if it is just a one-time expenditure. Mm -hmm. However, it is also true that when we're talking about taxes, this is the beauty about like a, a broad and progressive tax system, right? Is that when you have $50 and you get that $50 from, you know, millions and millions of people right and they all contributed an average of 50 bucks you can do a lot of things with that money to help make all of our lives better and our kids lives better right and so it it really is especially when you consider how difficult it is to raise taxes in the state of oklahoma when when needed i mean it really is worth asking the question like when tax rates are already historically low is it is it worth doing this well we've been here before right right in in 2014 i think or before then um the state cut income tax rates and 
it resulted in a disastrous scenario where our state was then short like a billion and a half billion dollars yeah and then the next year short 900 million dollars like it was an ongoing problem that we finally dug ourselves out of just a couple of years ago right and now that there's a little extra money floating around from the feds they're starting to be like oh well let's just uh one-time funds no less right one-time funds right right Uh, as our country like nears a large-scale economic slowdown if not a full-on recession right like this is perhaps not the best time to spend your savings well and we haven't even talked about the fact that that we haven't we haven't talked about the fact that tax cuts are not at all going to reduce inflationary pressure right like as much as it might as much as it might help people pay for things really if you're going to talk about fiscal not physical but if you're going to talk about fiscal policy that would be the most anti-inflationary it would actually be sharp tax hikes on the highest earners right Right. um that's in order to to uh curb spending and yeah, try to, to pull some, the economy, right? Yeah, pull pull some money out of the economy. Sure, you know, pretty sharp tax increases on the highest earners is the actual economic policy that might have the highest impact on uh, inflation. But uh, so I think I, that's I think that's off the table. And it's just a little comedic to me to hear our state lawmakers act like they can make a decision that's going to turn inflation around in our country, which is not the case. Like the cost. No matter what the state lawmakers do, it's they're not going to drop the price of milk, right? They, yes. Not substantially. I would also, uh, there's what, there's 103 members in the House, right? 103, 105? 101. 101 members in the House, and how many in the Senate? 48. 48. Uh, so that's 149 members. How do you think of the 149 members? How many of you think can explain inflation? Oh, yeah. Where it is, what it comes I, from, just say, why it happens. Well, okay, that's uh, they can say prices go up, which is part of it, but that's not the why, right? Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How many, how many, how many members of the Oklahoma State Legislature you think can explain inflation? Right. Probably more than we would guess, but your point <laughs> is there's not a lot of economists <laughs> up there, right? <laughs> right. So, so, um, and and certainly, and certainly, I'm not one. Uh, I just follow a lot of them on Twitter. So, uh, right. <laughs> you, well, know, and, um, you know, and we don't want to go too far the other way where we, the pendulum swings from inflation to deflation or stagflation, as we like to say. Right. Right. Um, which is what happened in, you know, the late seventies and early eighties. And this is, and this, this is thing where, cause we're kind of getting to, and this is, you know, you mentioned there's, we've been on for five years, what I'm about to say, I've said this over and over again. I said it to, uh, I'm pretty sure I said it to Leader Eccles when he was on the show with us uh, uh, virtually in, in the beginning of 2020. What's so frustrating is that is that we have leaders in our state right now who think that there is one answer to every problem. No matter what the problem is, no matter what the problem is, the answer, at least in terms of fiscal policy, is to cut taxes. And that's just not true. There are times when raising taxes is the best thing that you can do for the economy. There are other times when cutting taxes is the best thing that you can do for the economy, right? But if all you ever do is cut taxes, then when you need to cut them, you can't because you've cut them so much already that you literally can't afford to, right? <clears throat> and then you put yourself in the situation where when you need to raise them, there's no political will to do it, right? Um, it's just this is what happened just, for 30 years from right. 1992 to two, 2018, right. yeah. Right. So, 
you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. The, there was a lot of drama this week. Uh, the house went into so the house. This is this is actually kind of funny. It's kind of awesome. If it, it wasn't is. so like if it wasn't so dysfunctional, um, you know, you're just, I uh, that gif of uh, Michael Jackson with popcorn in the movie theater, right? Um, so the so the house goes into the I guess the third special session, and they pass all these bills. They pass bills, you know, cutting the grocery tax. They pass bills cutting the state income tax. And multiple of these, right? Like they've yes. passed more than one different versions of all of yeah. these things. Yeah, right. It's like if it's like if you buy, if you're buying shoes online and you buy them in like three different colors just to see which one or three different sizes because you're not sure yes. if you're like a, a ten, a ten and a half, or an eleven. Um, yes. they did that with bills. Yes, many of which conflict with one another, and many of which, if if they were all passed, would like result in disastrous consequences for our state. Right. Right. And so they passed all these bills with apparently, apparently no discussion with the Senate, no discussion with the governor's office. They just passed them. And then, and then they adjourned signy die. Right. Now this is where it gets tricky. They did something that in, in, in all the time that I have spent watching the, le- the, the legislature, they adjourned signy die, but they said, cause they usually say we, when the clerk's desk is clear, we move to adjourn. But this time they said, when the clerk's desk is, desk is clear, comma, and only when the clerk's desk is clear, we move to adjourn, sunny die. So then they're, they, they're adjourned, well, we think. But then the Senate comes back, uh, pro tem treat, just issues this blistering statement and has this press conference where he's basically like, I don't know what's happening over here. The house is full of shit. We can't do anything now because they've passed all these bills and sent them to us. But if even if we pass them, we can't send them back because they're adjourned. They've adjourned. They've exited special session. So we can't do anything now. In order to do anything, we would have to we have to start all have to start all over. Let's come back into another session because we've adjourned signing die. Then the house comes back and said, No, 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 no. We only our our adjournment signing die adjournment only takes effect when the desk is clear. And they're like, well, then are you ever adjourned, right? Like, like with right. the because the sentence like you can't just leave, you can't leave the clerk's desk open inevitably. Then the house says we're the freaking house; it's our clerk and their desk. We can do whatever we want to, and it's just turned into this like back and forth because the because the other the the undercurrent here is the Senate doesn't actually want to pass any of these bills right. um, that the House has passed. And so rather than say they don't want to pass the tax cuts, they're saying that they can't pass the tax cuts. The House is saying that they can. And it's just it's just a gigantic cluster because, you know, if it wasn't like the government of our state, you would just laugh. But instead... Well, we, and we still do. Yeah, this, uh, Scott, strikes me as like, it's like when you close the office early, but one person has to, like the front desk person has to stay there, right? And so you're right. like, no, we're still open, you know, until Sheila's gone. We're still, but there's no one there, right? So like no right. actual business can happen in your office, but right. Sheila is has to sit there until five o'clock or waiting for the UPS guy to come in because she needs this last package before she can close up shop. And that's right. kind of what the house did is like, we're closed. It's once that package arrives, where but everyone left, and then Sheila's at the desk being like, "Okay, I'll just wait here." And except it's also though it's a question of Sheila is at the desk, but the front door is locked, 
and she let us have a key. Well, that's the Senate is at the door. Here's to extend my analogy way more than it should be. The Senate is coming down the hallway and they're like, well, the lights are off. It looks like everyone's gone. And the house, you know, so they call the house. Hey, uh, Charles, you guys closed? Oh, no, no. Sheila's there. Well, but you have to, you got to approve these things. Oh, no, just drop them off with her. It'll be fine. And, and the Senate's like, this is not, this feels a little fishy. This, this is not how it's supposed to happen, right? You're supposed right. to, if you're closed, I can't be here. Well, and the thing that's interesting is, I mean, in this, um, we should get it. We should get one of the members or a former members who's a friend of the show on to, to, to make sure that, that we're accurate here. But I believe the only people who can enforce the legislature's rules are themselves, right? They, yeah. make, their, and, they make their own rules. They're not accountable to anybody else. But then I think the question becomes, like, say the Senate decided they did want to pass one of these tax bills and they passed it. And then they quote sent it back to the house's desk, and then and then it went to the governor, and the governor signed it. I I think there's a legitimate fear that it would immediately be challenged in court that it hadn't actually gone through the yes. constitutionally required process to become a bill. Yes, I think that is a hundred percent correct. I think that's I think that's Treat's perspective on this, uh, where he's like, "Hang on, if we're gonna do this, we got to do it right, y'all. We can't right. just uh, wing it." Yeah, and to your point, the legislature does write their own rules. They publish those rules every session. There are House-specific rules and Senate-specific rules, and then there are joint rules that apply to both chambers um, because a lot of stuff is kind of the same, but there are some nuances that are different, and I think this is actually in the joint rules, but the House is saying, you know, I know they're joint rules, but in our House it's this way it's like you know there's a rule you can't jump on the couch that's at mom's house and grandma's house but you know grandma sometimes lets you jump yeah. on the couch yeah you're right it's, he's saying if we're, if we're gonna do this we're gonna do it right but also he's saying but also we're not gonna do this <laughs> no. no and he was um it was real funny because you know treat said we're gonna we'll be the adults in the room like we always are and you know we can't do this and i don't know I can't believe the governor had signed off on it. He got he got hoodwinked, is what he said. So the, governor <laughs> the governor he 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 low key called the governor stupid. Is yeah. what he did, um, yeah. which uh, I found amusing. Um, yeah. And then the other day, the governor was like, "Well, if they don't do this, I'll just call them back into another special session." Like it's kind of a vague threat of like you're gonna come, you're gonna keep coming back here until you do it the way I want you to, which is not how checks and balances work in government. And then today he was like, well, we'll just, uh, what's going to let everyone cool off a little bit. seems like, you know, tempers are getting a little flared over there in the legislature. So we'll wait till next week and then readdress this. So essentially nothing happened. This week. And, well, and here's, here's the thing. And I, and I honestly don't know. So the constitution says that the governor can call them into special session and that if he does, or she does, if the governor calls the legislature into special session, the legislature, they're supposed to convene, right? Like they have to. They can't just ignore it unless they do, right? Like, like what, like, like, I mean, or could they theoretically, could they say, okay, we'll convene in special session, but we're going to do it on the first day of regular session next year. We'll convene in your special session. We'll gavel in, we'll gavel out. Like, what's the enforcement mechanism? Is the governor going to call OHP and have them go around the state and like round up the legislators? That is something that he can do. Yeah. Um, um, 
but like, would he? <laughs> I I mean, I believe Governor Stitt would if that was the, like if our state legislature just absconded to Texas, right? I mean, Texas legislators have come to Oklahoma before for this purpose. Um, and I think even the House Democrats did that here a couple of years ago. Then they leave and like went and hit out in North Texas or something. They, I think you I think you've got it the other way around. I think the Texas Democrats did it somewhere. I know Texas has come to Oklahoma. I thought our our did ours leave did, too. I feel like that happened a few years ago when things were a little rowdy, like when Corey Williams was up there and Scott Inman. I feel like there was a <laughs> Back when the Democrats had an ounce of power and they could maybe had enough corners they could prevent a yeah supermajority. So anyway, I think that could happen. I don't think it will. Uh, I think they'll come back. They'll talk a bunch this weekend and come back. I am uh, oh well, and related to this, the Senate just appointed their members to serve on the like ARPA committee or whatever too, right? Right. Weren't they a little behind on that? Yeah. And and treat uh, treat created like a tax reform like working oh, right. group this week too. So the 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 Senate, I mean, even if you know what, whatever the governor does and whatever the the outcome of this uh, signing die versus not spat is, the the Senate does not seem in any rush uh, appropriately. I would say to uh, to just jam through. Uh, a tax cut just just because um, uh, it seems like uh, Senator Thompson, Senator Thompson is uh, literally and figuratively the the gray beard involved in all of this, and uh, he is not interested in having to relive some of the issues of of four or five years ago. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, well, it'll be an interesting week next week. It was. Also more interesting this week because we had some more details illuminated about the Swadley's deal, right? So um, OMES director Steve Harp um, is back from vacation and he gave his testimony before the investigative committee, um, as did a couple other folks up there. And I think, uh, you know, he, from what he said, he was not aware of the contract details with Swadley's for more than a year. Um, and he, you know, never really even saw that was never presented to them. And that I think highlights perhaps how, I don't know how small the circle of corruption was or how locally controlled it was by just a few people that were privy to that information or Maybe they're just trying to feign ignorance to, you know, keep from getting their uh, ass chewed out. Yeah, I, I, it, it is, it is interesting because the, the legislature did seem uh, just absolutely flabbergasted that the director of OMES would not have had more awareness of this. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see um, how all this, how all this shakes out. And when um, the the whole Swadley's saga, because the primary election is coming up in a, just uh, less than two weeks on ten June days, tw- June twenty eighth. Listeners, if you don't already have this on your calendar, please mark it down. Tuesday, June twenty eighth, primary election. Everybody in the state gets to vote on something. Somebody. Polls are open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. all day that day. 
You can vote early the weekend before uh, or the week before. You still have time to request and return your absentee ballot. No, not request. I think that deadline's passed. But you can, if you received an absentee ballot, you have to get it in by election day. And so that means that there are some uh, really interesting candidate issues uh, coming out. Non-Doc, thankfully, has been hosting a number of uh, public debates. Corporation Commission, um, Oklahoma County uh, Attorney General, or a district attorney uh, race, uh, a bunch of other, well, the actual attorney general. Most of these have been Republican uh, primaries because that's where most of the candidates have been. I think for almost all of these uh, debates, there's one, two Democratic candidates, so they don't have a primary. And um, it's been a weird week for Oklahoma County government as well, right? So there was a debate for district attorney in which one of the candidates is sitting county commissioner Kevin Calvey. And so he's in office running for another office that could have a role in this other thing (laughs) that involves uh, the current DA, David Prater, and the current, uh, well, now former county clerk, David Hooten. Uh, So in the last couple of weeks, there have been some pretty hefty allegations lodged against David Hooten uh, that uh, regarding like sexual um, uh, misconduct at work, um, some really bizarre comments about being genetically modified so we can't get drunk, stuff he said to his uh, staff about taking him to do things that were scary and they would be drinking and all this stuff happening. If you haven't already read the comments, I'll link to the non-doc story in the show notes. I can't really give it, do it justice. It's super bizarre. I mean, we've known David Hooten is like a weird freaking guy for like a while. Right. But I don't know that any of us grasp the full extent of it. But he's like a Grammy award winner, uh, Grammy award winning trumpeter. Right. Yeah, he's like he's pretty like, famous for his trumpet playing. Yeah, but like also like pretty weird, right? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> like, I've never met him. He took his uh, like official government photo with his trumpet, which I thought was a little odd, but to each his own. Maybe I mean, if I was a Grammy award winning trumpeter, maybe I would hold it too. I don't know. But these allegations are one hundred percent weird, and it got to the point where the DA uh, David Prater filed an amendment. All right, excuse me, that he filed an agenda item for their next meeting that was going to call for a removal of Hooten from office. And in response, Hooten went ahead and resigned. Uh, and so, but, but is not giving up his bid for state treasurer. That's right. So, that's the other level here is that he's still running for office. He's running for state treasurer. And you got to, I don't know, you don't have to admire it, but like there's something to be said for. <laughs> courage in the face of uh, extreme adversity it makes me think of uh councilman dexhart on uh on parks and rec right, <laughs> right. <laughs> like just keeps doing stuff even as he's like holding a press conference to address the previous allegations well it's like that dude that's running for uh uh the gop uh gubernatorial nomination in uh michigan he got arrested he got arrested for participating in the january 6th uh uh, riot and uh, infiltration, insurrection at the Capitol, and that has only served to increase his standing in the uh, Republican. He's he's got a bump in the polls 
uh, after after being arrested. So uh, so you know, there's that. That's wild. Well, and um, you know, listeners, as a reminder, because turnout in the primary election tends to be very low, much lower than the general election, uh, it means that your vote actually counts more. If fewer people show up and you're one of those people, then your vote has an outsized amount of power. And that's a very important reason why you should turn out to vote because we want everyone's vote to count. And if no one else is going to show up, then by golly, you showing up there is a way you can help ensure that your opinion or your choice is uh, is heard. We, uh, I'm just seeing an update here. We uh, have found our second case of monkeypox in Oklahoma. So there's that. Yeah, we haven't really talked about COVID in a while. I think everyone knows it's still happening. Um, my wife just texted me that that her and my daughter went and got PCR tests today because my daughter had a potential exposure at school. Her The test, at least today, is negative. Although I think the trend lately with Omicron and its subvariants has been that people are often symptomatic for several days before the test shows positive. Is that correct? You're the physician on the show. You know, it's it's really variable. Um, I've seen both. I've seen people that, you know, will come in and they're convinced that they've had symptoms for, you know, four or five, six days. They've done several negative rapids. They don't know what's going on. They maybe even have a, reg- a negative PCR uh, and then we'll test them and they pop positive and it's, you know, day five, six or even seven of symptoms. Um, but, but then I've seen kind of more, more, you know, kind of classic where somebody's, you know, they, they all of a sudden, sorry, just yesterday, all of a sudden, 104 fever, um, <clears throat> you know, really not a ton in the way of respiratory symptoms, some sore throat, uh, some upset stomach, fatigue, body aches, um, and uh, PCR was, was, was positive uh, on, you know, within the first 24 hours of symptoms. So I think it's just really, I think it's really variable. Um, and, I, and, and the best advice that, that I have is if you, particularly if you, if you know you've had an exposure and you develop symptoms, um, certainly get tested. But even if you test negative, act like you have it, right? Um, if you're not able to stay home uh, for the recommended five days, please wear a tight-fitting medical-grade mask when you're out in public for the next 10 days. Try to avoid unnecessary gatherings, you know, restaurants, bars, movie theaters, etc. You know, just do do the things that you would do to try and keep other people safe. Um, certainly, obviously, talk to your doctor. Um, if you're a high-risk individual, meaning you have high-risk medical conditions that could predispose you to uh, more severe disease, or if you're over the age of 55 or both, um, you're eligible for antiviral therapy, uh, which would be uh, Paxlovid, um, uh, which I have seen uh, be <coughs> be very uh, 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 helpful um, in, in some of my patients that have used it. So uh, we are still definitely, you know, dep- depending on how you depending on how you generate the numbers. This is this is one of the issues is because we're not doing nearly as much testing, and so many people are doing home tests now. We don't really have a great handle on exactly what the numbers are, um, but anecdotally, and I think this is true nationwide, we are probably in our second. We're actually in our second biggest surge of the entire pandemic in terms of case numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it does appear that this, the burden of disease this time around is lower, which is excellent, um, but it certainly is not zero. So just be careful. Now is if you're somebody who uh, has, you know. Uh, it's now is not the time to to drop your guard. Um, so I'd say keep keep wearing masks and uh, 
staying uh t- taking as many precautions as you can yeah it's been uh it's a real frustration my daughter's daycare had to close uh on thursday this week due to a pretty widespread number of cases of covid my you know mother-in-law has had it i have several friends whose parents have had it um, pretty much if you go outside or travel anywhere and don't mask religiously there's a good chance you're going to get it although not you know 100 percent so uh, if you are a listener and you're dealing with it right now, our sympathies are with you. Uh, please, uh, you know, get the rest, hydrate, those kinds of things. It's no fun and to be miserable and also dehydrated. For the love, if you're not vaccinated, get vaccinated. Um, if you've had two shots but not a third, get a third shot. If you've had three shots and you're over the age of 55 uh, or have qualifying conditions, get a fourth shot. Also, God bless, we've got vaccines for kids. Vaccines for kids yeah. are on the way specifically specifically the six months to five-year-olds uh five-year-old age group that'll be starting probably next week um uh being able to get uh, get shots in the arms of those kids uh so if you are uh and i've got several of them if you're if you're one of these parents that has been uh waiting and praying for you know the last two years for shots shots for your little ones um they're on the way i i am one of those parents i'm in that group you know my daughter is uh two and a quarter and we're very excited we in fact we went to the doctor today just for a regular checkup and um ask about that and so we're looking at probably she said probably two weeks uh, so that's a relief uh a relief coming uh scott i got a message the other day asking us if we were going to i don't know do reviews of some of the political commercials that are on television right now and i told them no um one i i think listeners probably know i i tend to watch very little current tv i'm i'm actually re-watching downton abbey right now as my uh kind of wind down the evenings while i do dishes and kind of uh tidy up around the house and so i haven't seen any of these commercials but from what i've seen and including uh oklahoma city mayor david holt tweeted about how awful they are this year i can only imagine i see you know i see a few on twitter here and there uh and mayor holt's thread got me thinking he he tweeted about the extremism the extreme partisanism partisanship of uh of politics today and how oklahoma city's uh city council elections and mayoral count mayoral elections could be an antidote or a different way to structure elections that would relieve our state uh, of of some of this extremism and maybe incentivize uh candidates to appeal to different groups of voters. Did you happen to see his thread about that the other day? I I did not. I did not. I assume that it was uh I, I assume like like many things he puts out there that it was uh very insightful. Yeah, he's actually had uh I think two threads in the last couple of weeks. Um and it they both kind of centered on the same thing that Oklahoma City, I think like all other cities in our state have um nonpartisan open elections right so candidates don't run with a party affiliation just all voters get to vote and as a candidate you are incentivized to appeal to the you know however you can get the most voters right and i think everybody kind of knows being an extremist on either side is not the path to that in oklahoma city and most anywhere else Um, sounds like he's uh, certainly on board with open primaries 
Yeah. And so that's the thing. I, I th- you know, that's the other deal is that regardless of your, of the voters party affiliation, everybody gets to vote and there's, there's an election. And if nobody gets a majority, then there's a runoff um, from the top two there. And uh, there's actually an effort underway right now to raise awareness about the impact that closed primaries has on uh, on elections in Oklahoma. Perhaps most notably is that 20% of Oklahoma's voters are registered independents or no party, and they are prevented, they are un- not allowed to vote in the Republican primaries at all. And because there's so many, uh, I mean, the majority of voters are Republican, the majority of candidates are Republican. And so that means that a full 20% of registered voters in our state don't get a voice in that uh, at all. Under the current rules, the Democrats allow them to vote on the Democratic side. But it's not even, uh, it's, it's not even like a in that case, a partisanship thing. It's just the Republicans wanting only Republican voters to vote in in their races. Scott, to me, the problem is that primary elections are paid for with taxpayer dollars, right? This isn't just like a private party popularity contest. These are our elections that we all pay for. Shouldn't all voters be allowed to vote? I mean, it makes sense to me, Andy. I mean, like... And especially when you look at what it's doing, when you when you look at what it's doing to our political discourse and our political system, and right, and, and how far it pushes people to the, how far it pushes people to the extremes. Um, you know, most people reside in the middle, right? Like most people are somewhere in the middle, um, and so our political system should reflect that. Um, right. And instead, it does the opposite. Right, because closed primaries means that candidates from a particular party are running to be the favorite of the people in that party. And that usually means the the most the most Democratic or the most Republican, right? For right. however that's defined at a given time. Because turnouts in primary elections are, turnout in primary elections tend to be significantly lower, right? And so it's the most enthusiastic, the most motivated, the most engaged voters, which are gonna be the ones that are, that are like, as you said, tend to be uh, outliers. Right um, within right. Uh, the most committed to the the party orthodoxy and platform, and so um, the closed primary system, um, it just it just uh, not the, what's the word I'm looking for here. It it just it it bakes in people that are that are farther from the center, um, particularly when you combine it with the way that our districts are drawn. Right when yeah. when you're when our districts are drawn in such a way that. A Republican is guaranteed to win District X. A Democrat is guaranteed to win District Y. Then all that matters is being the Republican who wins or the Democrat who wins the primary, which means you're going to appeal to the base voters as much as you can. That's right. Uh, And so if you are interested in learning a bit more about this, you can go to unmuteok.org. That's a project of uh, Oklahomans United for Progress, uh, which is a civic organization here in our state. Uh, you can go to Open uh, Open Primaries Oklahoma. Um, if you just go to openprimaries.us, there's a national group that advocates for this. Um, and the the folks at uh, at Unmute have a mobile billboard that's going to be traveling our state. Um, it will be in Oklahoma City. Uh, let's see, it'll be in Tulsa. No, I think it was in Tulsa yesterday. It'll be in in Norman on Monday on Monday the 20th, and then it'll be 
in Oklahoma City on Tuesday the 21st. Um, let me look at my calendar. It'll be in Oklahoma City at Kerr Park downtown around 11.15 on Tuesday morning. It'll be in Norman uh, uh, at noon at Andrews Park on Monday. So if you're around Andrews Park on Monday at noon or Kerr Park in Oklahoma City around 11.15 on Tuesday, stop by. Uh, They've got free suckers um, to hand out. They've got uh, some literature, some educational materials. Uh, Those are the scheduled media stops. I think there's also one in... Stillwater planned, uh, and so I'm excited. I'm, this is something that I've been interested in and, and uh, honestly supporting for the last several years, and uh, could be a way. I think, particularly when combined with, you know, uh, redistricting reforms with things like ranked choice voting, um, there's a way to change the incentives that candidates have for how they try to appeal to voters. Uh, that could be really, I think really positive for our state. And this year, I think we talked about this a few months ago, probably, but there was a bill for open primaries this year. Um, Senator Lonnie Paxton filed it. And uh, it didn't go anywhere this year. But the fact that, uh, you know, a somewhat moderate Republican was like, I'm sick of this, I can't pander to these folks on the fringe. Um, You know, we could change the way things are structured to make it a little more possible for uh, you know, good civic-minded individuals to to win their races. Absolutely. I mean, it's you know, and that's the thing is, I I, you know, I spend so much time reading and and talking about all of this that it, you know, I go through phases where I'm very optimistic, and then I go through phases where I'm like, it's hopeless, <laughs> right? Um, and the thing is, there are just there are some real reforms that are doable that could that you that could happen in a place like Oklahoma that would drastically improve our political system. And I'm not even talking about like change majority who controls the legislature or change who's going to win the governor's race. I'm not, I'm not talking about trying to change party control, right? I just think we could get much much better there are reforms where we could we could get much much better governance than we have. Um, because it would, because the incentives would be changed. Um, and, and, and it does give me seeing someone like Senator Paxton, uh, you know, carry that bill does give me hope. Yeah. And, you know, uh, people like Andrew Yang, former, uh, presidential candidate have been championing, uh, things like ranked choice voting. Um, there's a, a political scientist that, uh, an author that I follow on Twitter named Lee Drutman. Uh, I frequently send you his tweets, Scott. Uh, He wrote a book called um, Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop. And he is now, uh, so he's identified this problem for a while, and he is really supporting proportional representation. And what that would mean, you know, essentially is like in Oklahoma, uh, our, the the voter registration breakdown is roughly, I think like 51% Republican, um, you know, 30-ish percent Democrat and then 19-ish percent independent or something like that. Uh, And imagine if the state legislature was proportional to voter registration in our state. Um, That would be such a dramatic change um, to the the percentages there. And imagine having 20% of our state legislature be unaffiliated with any party because they don't like the parties and they choose to not affiliate. That would certainly change a lot of the 
conversation and the coalitions around this, right? Because then, man, if you had 20% that were independent, you would have enough to prevent a uh, like a three quarters majority for some of these these things that would require that. And that would mean that like, even if the two parties who disagree on stuff somehow got aligned on an issue, there would be another way to kind of check that uh, that political power, which I like. Right. I like a little good check and balance. I, I mean, I think proportional representation would be great. I think it's a much heavier lift. I think for pro- proportional re- representation is a much heavier lift than open primaries and even ranked choice voting. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, well, it's, but, also, uh, it's also new, right? People get spooked by new things. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think on that note, let's wrap it up. That brings us to the end of this episode. Scott, thanks for being here today. Yeah, man. I'm sorry I missed the last two weeks. Well, we all missed last week. Well, yeah, I guess I missed missed the one before that. Well, and Bailey is uh, out of town today doing some other good work. So we uh, miss her this week. Uh, Listeners, thanks for being here. Uh, Stay tuned. We we are contemplating, should COVID allow it and it not be a thousand degrees outside, contemplating some sort of uh, live podcast on the primary election day. We did that. Was that four years ago? I remember doing it at Oak and Ore. Do you remember that, Scott? Uh, that was four years ago. That was a fun. It was time. a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I had a lot of great candidates. Uh, uh, Gary uh, Bloomer, Joe Beth. Gary Bloomer came there. Joe Beth was it. Yeah, we had a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, just we started just grabbing people that came in. Was Bo on there with us? There were a lot of folks Bo. that came by. <laughs> oh, was down. on there with us. Yeah. All right. Well, it was we'll, a good uh, time. Listeners, if you're interested in uh, attending a live podcast and you've got suggestions on venue, um, let me know. Hit us up on Twitter at Let's Fix This Okay. I am at Andy OKC. Scott is at SC Melson. Or you can always just email us at podcast at letsfixthis.org. Uh, with that note, uh, be sure to ask your friends and family if they are registered to vote and remind them to vote on the 28th and uh, invite them to the show if we do one. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Thank you.